0: Welcome to a God Shift Podcast, where we move you from disruption and delay into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and other leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty and unlock the door to confidently move into your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler, and I am so glad that you have decided to take about 30 minutes out of your schedule to be here with us today. Before we get started, I want to ask you for a favor. So I would love it if you would just take a screenshot of wherever it is that you are listening to this podcast and then post that screenshot on your social media, tag us here at a God shift. And then I just want to hear your biggest aha moment or your biggest takeaway from this episode. And I do that because I am really committed to, people's lives being better, for people knowing that whatever it is that they're going through, there's hope on the other side of that situation, that whatever it is that they're going through, that they don't just have to sit back and wait on God to do everything, that there's actually some things that God has empowered them to be able to do as well. And I know that the more times that these episodes are shared, the more that each and every one of us is doing our part in helping to improve people's lives and build the kingdom. So thank you so, so much for doing that. I'm going to read my guest bio and then we are going to get started for what I have a feeling is going to be yet another powerful conversation because I've been doing her my research on her. And I think she is very, very equipped to be able to enjoy um, involve, be involved in this conversation. So here we go. Born and raised in the minority Christian community in India, my guest today moved to the U.S. in 2008, shortly after getting married. Her family has called 10 different places across two continents and seven cities home. A contributor to Guideposts, All God's Creations, Daily Devotions for Animals Lovers 2022, her writings have appeared in The Upper Room, CBN.com. Leading Hearts Magazine and Encourage.me. Host of the YouTube podcast Immigrant Faith Stories, she has been serving in women's ministry for nearly a decade. She is pursuing an MA in theological studies from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. A lover of books, tea, and Zumba, she lives in Northern California with her husband, son, and Maltese, who might make an appearance today. So I want to welcome to the show Mabel Ninen. Thank you so
1: much for having me. It's such a blessing and privilege to be here and chat with you and um, just get to know you and bless your audience.
0: Thank you. I'm so glad that you are here. So before we get started, Mabel, I just want to give a little bit of a context to the conversation because the name of my platforms are called a God Shift. And although that sounds very clever, most people have no idea what that is. So my definition of a God Shift is the moment of disruption in your life collides with God's purpose and moves you into a greater destiny. And I believe that we actually have a role to play in that process. From the time something happens in our life, God allows something to happen to getting to where it is that He really needs us to be in our lives, that we actually have a role to play. And I think that our our part in that process is by using our kingdom authority, the authority that God actually gave us as believers, the authority that is mentioned 44 times in the Bible. The Bible talks about dominion 44 times, the the dominion and the authority that we have as believers. I like to say, Mabel, that kingdom authority is our birthright as a child of God, to actually make things happen in our lives by partnering with what it is that scripture says. And I always like to start off every single episode by asking my guests, like, what is your own personal definition of kingdom authority?
1: Well, thank you for asking that question. And, you know, I've done my research too. I've been listening to some of your episodes and I love that you asked this question. It really made me think. And I went into a a rabbit hole researching. (laughs) Oh, I love it. um, I think for me, it comes from knowing, first of all, who I am. And like you already mentioned, we are children of God. Mm-hmm. And with that comes these uh, with that comes um the rights and privileges and yes. the authority, just like a child would can go to a father and ask him, can uh, ask or expect a hug when he is feeling down, expect a father to come to his aid when he is in trouble, uh stand up for him and, and so many other things that children can um, expect of their parents yeah secondly, I think also knowing that we are citizens of the kingdom of Heaven yes um, and the kingdom of Heaven and kingdom of God can be used interchangeably. and uh, I think we can go l- deeper into that later on in the conversation. but for me when I think of Kingdom Authority, these are the two places I draw that authority from uh, two aspects of my identity that I'm a child of God, the God Almighty. God, who is the creator of the universe, and that I am a citizen of the kingdom of God, which means, you know, when you look at your passport, you know, you have certain, again, rights and privileges. Of course, there are responsibilities also, but the Bible says because we are citizens of God's kingdom, we have so many blessings um, available to us. So, authority, uh, kingdom authority, then means using my, making use of the blessings, claiming those promises, Yes. Uh, making use of the rights I have as a child of God and as a citizen of his kingdom to carry out the purposes he has for me and to further his plans on earth. Yes. To go wherever he wants to take me. And I think the cool thing about this is that we do that by placing ourselves under the lordship of Jesus. So it's not that we go all out on our own, do whatever we want, but I think uh we are able to uh be a blessing when we place that authority under the lordship of uh Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. I love that definition and I I'm glad that you talked about expectations and what we can expect of God because he's our Father. Because I say all the time, when it comes to God's will for our lives. There's a lot that we know that we can expect of him, but expectations go both ways. And there's things that he expects of us as well. And just like if you and your husband were to come to Dallas and you said you were going to stay at my house and I would say, well, Mabel, I'm not going to be there for about another hour after you and your husband get there. But I left the key under the mat, you know, so that you can have access to the home. I would expect that you would use the key and come inside because I've given you the authority to access my home. I wouldn't expect to pull in the driveway and you all are just sitting there waiting on me to come let you in. (laughs) But I think that that's what we do with God. There's so much that we know we can expect of him because he loves us, because he is powerful, because he's all knowing that we can sometimes sit back and just wait idly on him to do everything for us when he says, no, when I tell you in scripture that this is the authority that I've given you, these are the things that you can do. It tells us in John 14 and 12, greater works than these shall you do in my name because I'm going to the father. So the Holy Spirit that is within us gives us the authority to be able to do things. And he expects us to access that authority and actually operate in it. Yeah. So I love that you talked about the expectation because It's it's not a one sided thing. Like there's things that God expects of us. And in turn, there's things that we can expect of him as well. And so I would love to, you know, you've lived a lot of different places. You've overcome a lot of different things. You've accomplished a lot of things. So can you tell us about a time in your life, Mabel, that you've actually had to say, okay, God, I know what I can expect of you. But in this situation, I know that there's some things that I have the power to do in order to get on the other side of us, other side of this. Can you tell us about a time like that?
1: Um, Sure. I mean, there have been so many minor disruptions in my life. right? When I think of uh, the big one, one of the big ones is just moving from uh, my homeland to America. And this happened in 2008. Um, It was a big move. I was taken by surprise that I could not cope with all the changes. It was a huge change because there are cultural differences, differences in um, climate and food and everything else. Added to that, um, I realized that I had been, you know, uprooted from everything that was familiar and comfortable to me. Um, And with all those markers of my identity removed, my ties to the community, my family, culture, my role within the church or my profession and all those things, with all those gone, I started to wonder who I was. Mm -hmm. So I dealt with, you know, issues of self-worth and identity and not feeling like I was important or not feeling like I was useful. Um, And I think that's what moving did to me, the whole, you know, uh, my, my immigrant journey has been a huge disruption yeah. because it it literally rocked my world in a way um, because being displaced or being uprooted uh, definitely places you know an emotional toll and it, it led to me for me at least it led to a spiritual crisis yeah. um, and I was for a long time just you know having a pity party and just wallowing in self-pity till the time God really woke me up and made me realize that he has a purpose for this disruption. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So that's, that's the, that's my story. uh, And that's how I see God's purpose colliding with that disruption to make something beautiful happen. Because if that, if I hadn't gone through that struggle, I wouldn't even be here talking with you or, you know, writing a book and everything else. And this ministry came from uh, the struggles that I've faced out of that disruption.
0: yeah I want to ask you a question Mabel. So I'm born and raised in the United States. in the United States, Christianity is one of the primary religions that is practiced here in the United States. And so as a believer in a primarily Christian country, once I grasp the authority that I have as a Christian, I didn't have many external factors that could have stifled me being able to be bold about operating in that authority. But as I read in your bio, you know, it, well, it's no secret, I didn't have to read this in your bio, but it's no secret that India, Christianity is not the primary religion that is practiced in India. And you were a Christian in a predominantly non Christian com- country. And so I'm just curious. Does that make it more difficult to really be bold about operating in your authority as a Christian when you're in a land that Christianity is not the primary religion like it is over here? You know, I may not have to feel like I have to shrink back or, you know, maybe that wasn't your story at all. But I'm really just curious, does being in a a non-Christian place, does that make it more difficult to operate in your authority as a Christian and being willing to be bold about that?
1: Great question. I think it depends on the country, right? Okay. Um, India is, in general, a very religious and spiritual country. Okay. Everybody believes in some kind of God. I mean, I would probably be persecuted if I was an atheist, but (laughs) people expect you to believe in some God. Okay. People expect to know which God you believe in. So, in that way, um, I think expressing myself as a Christian or uh, practicing my faith was not a problem and it still isn't for many Christians Uh, and Christians have lived in India for a long time. Though I must add though that in some places in in rural India and in some places there is persecution but it is against the law. I mean by law we are allowed to freely practice and, and even preach our religion but I think looking back, I see it as a blessing growing up in uh, a minority, uh, in a country where Christianity is a minority, because the church was never saw itself as a broker of power. Wow. Uh, because culturally, or, or even as a voting block, right, we are insignificant. And so we never saw ourselves as... Uh, making a huge difference in, in culture and in politics or in anything. So there was not, there isn't a proximity to power like we have here. Okay. And that led to the church, I think, um, just depending on God and realizing that he's sovereign, even though we are less than 5% of a billion people. Yeah. Like God is sovereign over this and God is in control uh, even in this situation. And the emphasis on personal evangelism was much more, I feel, I mean, in India, growing up in India, because almost everyone around you is not a Christian. Yeah. And so we were taught from a very young age, and that's where authority comes in that you can, you have the authority to speak the gospel, and then the that's Holy so Spirit will do the work to uh, convict a person. Um, another thing to add is that, you know, in maybe in the East or maybe uh, regions of Africa, right, growing up, I did see demons being driven out of people. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a mix of both a Methodist and a Pentecostal background. Yeah. So, And this I, I saw even as a child. Um, so I never doubted that God had the authority over evil. That's as so a weird. young child, it was uh, embedded in my mind. And I saw it visually. So I knew that maybe, you know, this government is not under God or is a different, but uh, I know that um, God is in control overall and that he rules even over um, evil uh, in this world.
0: Yeah. What would you say to a person? This is completely off script. um, And the reason why I'm asking this question and the reason why I started down that, that path was because. I bought a new car back in the summer, and the finance manager of the car lot was a Christian, but he was from a Middle Eastern country. Where he said, We were the reason why we got started on the conversation was we were talking about racism and Christianity. And, you know, we were just talking about a number of things while I was in his office waiting on the, you know, the approval and the rate and everything to come back. And he says, I'm not trying to diminish what you may have experienced as a woman. Or what you may have experienced as a black person, he says. But in my country, and I don't remember what Middle Eastern um, country he was from, but he said, in my country, you actually can be persecuted for being a Christian. And my family was a Christian family, and we had to be very careful outside of the home about being about anybody even knowing that we were Christian, let alone showing up bold. Mm-hmm. you know, for Christ mm-hmm. or mentioning the name of Jesus Christ because we could actually be killed. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I wasn't even having a conversation about authority at that time, because it's not even about like, well, how do you be bold and, you know, express your authority when you're really scared whether or not that very thing that you believe in could also, you know, get you killed. So yeah. I'm curious, you know, mm-hmm. whether because people are in, in situations all the time, sometimes it's not as drastic as, being in a country where you're going to get killed if you believe in Jesus Christ or if you're a Christian? But sometimes we're just on jobs mm-hmm. that maybe we're around people that don't believe like we believe, yeah. or we're we we think that because we're in a professional environment that you're not supposed to talk about, you know, religion and politics and those things. And so, what advice would you have for somebody? Again, this is completely off script, but what advice would you have for someone if they're in a situation? where Christianity may not be the most accepted thing? Um, how can they still operate in their authority if they're, if they're concerned about blurring lines or crossing lines, but they don't want to completely shrink back?
1: Uh, great question. And, you know, I have the perfect example. I think when I was in India um, during my uh, one of my meetings in my job and at that time, I worked as an assistant quality manager, and so we were part of the management meetings. And my boss was the boss of the company. So someone had uh, was distributing, you know, Indian sweets, and these are sweets that were offered to their gods, to their idols. yeah, um and they do that usually to celebrate a happy occasion. He had just become a father. and uh, so they they distribute that to everybody. The idea being that they want to pass on the blessings of that deity, even to you. So by taking that food that has been offered to the idols, you also kind of participate or invoke the blessings of the deity. And from a young age, I mean, we know this growing up in India, we keep saying no, very politely saying no. Some of them expect. So this time I said no, but my boss got real mad and he told me. And then there was another person and I didn't know how deep that person's faith was. Um, he was a Catholic, but he didn't take it too. He refused. And so my boss in front of everyone, he said he just started you know, yelling at us and saying, why do you Christians behave like this? And it's not respectful. And, you know, we, uh, during Christmas, we come to your homes and we eat anything that you offer us. So what is the problem? And he said, okay, we are going to pass it around again to you. And this time you will take it. And um, I I was, I think, 22 at that time. (laughs) And, you know, this was my first real job. So yeah. I don't want to lose it. But at the same time, so when the box came, I took it. And Reggie, uh, my friend, he took it too. But you know, you can make us take it, but we're not going to eat it. Right. And yeah. we didn't. And he couldn't make us eat it. Yeah. And after that, I just got out and I threw it away, uh, out of his sight. But I realized that how God protected me. I think after a few months, my boss was replaced. Uh, and I didn't see repercussions of it immediately. Um, but what God also did is provided someone with me to stand up together. Uh, and so that's amazing when you stand up for God, how He gives you support and He takes care of the outcome. So you don't have to worry. All you have to do is exercise your authority, knowing that, you know, no matter what happens to you, Right. God has the authority to deal with those outcomes. Uh, so you can be bold about it. And that that would be my encouragement. And I was surprised. I never knew, like my friend who I worked with, that he would also stand up with me. And I felt supported. I was not all yeah. alone, right? So God will provide a way out sometimes. I can't tell you, so many times I had to be um, invited to participate in Hindu worship gatherings at work. And something would come up. And I'll have to go. But I would pray and say, just God, give me a way out of this. (laughs) I don't want to go. Or I would hide somewhere that they couldn't find me. And in those days, we used to use pages, (laughs) So something would happen to my pager. So God will honor that desire that you want to stand up for him. And he has the authority to take care of the outcomes.
0: Yeah. So either stand up for him or hide. But either way, he'll support (laughs) you. He's got your back. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah so, I have I wanna, many times <laughs> right. I want to go back to something that you talked about in your story, so you said it was a major disruption for you to have to be completely uprooted and move, mm-hmm. but you were able to recognize God's hand on that. You got real secure in your authority and all the things that you could do during that process. I'm curious what did you learn during all of that?
1: yeah, it was a a long time i think it didn't happen instantly but i learned over a period of time by immersing myself in god's word by studying the bible in community god revealed to me that i was an immigrant in you know in, in the way he made me my in my very christian identity that like yeah. the bible says we are um sojourners on earth we are strangers in a strange land and so all the things that i was looking for rootedness stability belonging, permanence were a shadow of what uh, heaven was like. It was was a shadow of my longing uh, for heaven. And so I think this experience really made me see myself as a foreigner on earth. And so I don't have to really strive hard to belong. It's okay if I don't belong. It's okay if I'm a misfit. Uh, but but of course, I want to be a misfit for the right reasons Right um, <laughs> for standing out as a Christian, not to do it in a hostile way, but yeah. to do it lovingly. It's not like an us versus them mentality, you know, it's because some Christians think we are not of this world, which means that we are better than others. It's not like that. I mean, you've ruined the <laughs> purpose if you think like that, but we are not of this world. Jesus says that. Um, uh, just as he was not of this world, his disciples, we are not of this world. And so uh, our identity is not rooted in anything this world has to offer. Mm-hmm. Our purpose is also heavenly. And therefore uh, I realize that God called me to also have a mindset that is eternal, like Colossians says, right? Set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. So it changed the way um I saw My purpose, it changed the way I saw the resources God has given me and how I spend my time. It made me live more intentionally um, and not be comfortable, you know, in a geographic location or not be comfortable in my identity as uh, in my cultural identity, even. Um, But to be rooted in his word and to uh, chase his purpose for me, no matter where I live.
0: I want to highlight something you just said, because I think it's so key. You know, I used to, in leadership all the time, I would talk about different types of personalities, and I would say, you can be assertive without being aggressive. And what I love about what you just talked about, because, you know, we're talking about like, how, how, how do you take a bold stance for what it is that you believe in? You can be bold without being unruly. And I think sometimes when people hear certain adjectives, they associate it with something negative. And I love how you just described that because you can take a bold stand for God. You can take a bold stand for what it is that you believe in. And you don't have to be aggressive. You don't have to be unruly. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be, you know, tearing down what other people believe in. And so I hope that that was an aha moment for some of us that we can be bold. And it not be a a negative thing. So I'm I'm really glad that you you pointed that out.
1: Thank you. Uh, It again comes from authority. God has given us an authority not to be uh, hostile, not to be unloving. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to share some tips and advice of how our listeners can begin to bring all this together in their lives. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the free guide, When God Says Shift. Inside, you'll discover the four shifts required to reveal God's plan to ditch disruption or delay and get his blessings faster. Head to God says shift.com to access it now. All right, welcome back. So before the break, we were sharing all of the different ways that we can actually be a bold believer. You started this off by talking about that we're actually citizens of heaven. And there are certain rights and privileges and responsibilities that come along with being a citizen and that we can be bold and still be loving. And so I think all of these are a great foundation for understanding A, that we have authority and B, how we can walk in it. Because oftentimes I think that we don't know as Christians that we have authority. And even if we've heard that we have, we haven't actually been in circles that are teaching us how to do it. And I love that you're just sharing like some, not only just like some real practical things that we can do examples of, you know, things that you've done, but you know, this is how it doesn't have to look. This is how it sounds like it might look, but it doesn't have to look like this. And so Mabel, if there is someone that is listening to this episode right now, and they're struggling to recognize that they actually have authority to shift things in their life to a better place what would be the best tip that you would give them of something that they can do today?
1: I mean, it's cliched, but, you know, stay rooted in God's word because God's word is alive and Mm -hmm. active. And it reminds us of who we are. And when we read the Bible, we encounter Jesus. It's not like any other book. And uh, the Holy Spirit equips us then to... um, to stand on God's promises and walk in authority. And so the more we are rooted in scripture, and that would be my one advice is uh, for instance, if you're struggling to believe who you are in Christ, believe who you are as a woman or as a man or as a um, mother, father, anything that you're going through an identity crisis Go to scripture, find out what the scripture says about who you are Mm -hmm. and stand on those promises. Maybe print them out if you have to say them out loud as affirmations, because what that does is in the Holy Spirit will give you uh, that confidence and that boldness to walk in authority based on what scripture says. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It goes back to, you know, when I said what my own personal definition of kingdom authority is, is that it's our birthright as a child of God to make things happen in our lives by partnering with what scripture says. If you don't know what's in there and it doesn't you don't know what it says that you can do and who it says that you are, then You have to start, you have to start there because it's one thing for me to be like, I'm going to exercise the authority that I have. Well, what authority does the scripture say that you have? Like I said, the Bible mentions dominion and authority 45, 44 times. But if you're not clear on what it says that you can do and what it is that you, you can have and who it says that you can be, then you can be marching off in the wrong direction very quick. So I'm glad that you say that because oftentimes when people talk about the word, You know, they talk about like, you know, going to it for comfort, um, going to it for direction. And I do believe that all of those things are valid. But since we're talking about authority, we have to know what it is that the Bible says that we can do. And it's not all just full of what God can do, although that that's what's preached most of the time is what God can do and what he will do in certain situations, which is great. But then I think that puts us in a position to just sit back and think that he's going to do all of it. And I say it in almost every episode, we can't do it without him and he's not going to do it without us. And so if we're always being preached and we're always being taught and we're always reading about what God is able to do, then sometimes it doesn't always put us in a position for us to be doing what it is that we can do. And then we sit back and we're frustrated because we're not seeing what it is that he promised us. We sit back and we're frustrated because we don't have what it is the Bible says that we can have or what other people have. And we're, and I just want to shake them and hit them with a two by four and go is because God has done everything he's going to do. Now he's waiting on you to do what only you can do. Hmm. Yeah. Goodness. I don't want to get in my (laughs) soapbox. So Mabel, before we begin to wrap the conversation up and tell people how they can find you and follow you, are there any final words that you would have for the audience?
1: Yeah, just to embrace this aspect of your identity that you're a citizen of heaven or a foreigner on earth because it shifts your perspective in a in a big way and makes you look at life differently. It gives you purpose and joy to live boldly for Christ.
0: Yeah, I love that because that's really my only mission. And everything that it is that I do on my platforms, all the conversations that I have here on the podcast is that I'm hoping that we can shift people's perspectives and give them something that they can do today. I don't want just information. I don't just want inspiration and motivation. I really want to make sure that after they're inspired, after they're motivated, that they actually have something that they can do because if not, you, you know, inspiration and motivation fades and there's, you know, no traction because there's no action. So I appreciate you sharing your words. So how can they follow you on social media, Mail?
1: I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, On Instagram, my handle is mabel underscore nine. And so I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Find me on socials, follow me. I also have a a lead magnet for your listeners. Uh, It's called, it's a free resource called Seven Reasons Why Heaven Matters. I mean, heaven is not irrelevant, it matters today. Um, And ties with what you're saying that we have a responsibility just because we think we are going to heaven. That doesn't mean we live our lives however we want. In fact, keeping heaven on our minds should drive us to live a purposeful life um, and walk in authority that God has given us. Uh, And so your listeners or viewers can get a hold of that free resource um, by, you know, clicking on the link in the show notes.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for being here today. I knew that this was going to be a good conversation. The moment you emailed me your picture, I said, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> I don't know. There was just something that popped off the page. Now, for those of you who are listening to the audio and not seeing the video, she's drop dead gorgeous, but that's not. Oh. There was something about your picture. There was something that just like grabbed me. When I saw your picture and I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> so I've been looking forward to praise
1: this. God. Glory yeah. to God. Yeah.
0: Thank you. I've been looking forward to this. So, Mabel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for the nuggets that you've shared. I know that the listeners are going to be blessed by this conversation because I have. And speaking of listeners, listeners, again, I need you to share, share, share this episode so that people can understand why heaven matters, so that people can understand that there are benefits and privileges of being a citizen of God and how they can actually walk in that authority. So thank you for listening to this episode, and I will see you back here again next Monday. Everyone have a great night. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.